0: Hi, welcome to the Tell Me What You're Proud Of podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Maggie Perry. I'm a licensed psychologist with a doctorate degree in clinical psychology. I'm also the founder of the online group therapy platform huddle.care. I love helping people overcome anxiety, obsessive compulsive disorder, mood disorders and stress. Please join us each week as we share real sessions with actual clients that reveal helpful techniques for effectively dealing with anxiety, OCD, mood disorders and stress. We'll discuss what effective therapy looks like, sounds like, and feels like. We'll follow our guests as they overcome their biggest fears and find that despite their biological vulnerabilities, they can still live a rich, full, and meaningful life. My therapeutic approach is strengths-based and seeks to find and reinforce what clients do well to help them generalize those skills towards areas where they're stuck. My model for psychotherapy can be summed up as this. You tell me what you're proud of and I'll help you become effective and happy across all areas of your life. Thanks for listening and let's get the show started. Hi, it's Dr. Maggie Perry with Tell Me What You're Proud Of. Um, This week we'll be having the fourth session with Nicole. And um, Nicole and I are talking after I met with Dr. Christina Pascarzi. um, And Nicole had two sessions where we primarily discussed the crisis that led her into psychotherapy and then how she's used psychotherapy to increase her self-observation, her self-compassion and her perfectionism. Um, And that has had impact both in her relationships and in her work life. Um, so, Nicole, can you start us off about what came to mind as you were listening to the consultation that I had with Christina?
1: Yeah, I think it re reminded me and like re highlighted some of the things that we have talked about in working together and some of the things that have um, really changed. Like as I've been talking to you, um, I think one of the big things that we've talked about and worked on is self compassion. Um, and I think if I think about before and after therapy. Um, I think one of the important things that you've helped me learn is actually just experiencing and letting the feelings and painful things peak and pass. I guess the hard feelings will just kind of peak and pass. And if you experience them, they will go and your mood will change. And I think the hardest part for me before therapy was kind of the self-criticism that I would attach onto those feelings. So if I felt um, anxious, it would kind of be like, why am I feeling this way? How do I make this feeling go away? How come no one else feels this way? Um, And I think a lot of that was more painful than actually just feeling the feeling in the moment. Um, Or if I went through something, say like a bad date, it would get like, why do I always go on bad dates? Like, what's wrong with me that this always keeps happening? Um, So being able to learn self-compassion, it was a lot easier than to maybe deal, with, say a bad date, a bad day at work. Um, and those would just pass a lot easily than attaching all these other feelings and thoughts on top of it.
0: Yeah, that's great. So you would really, um, add either catastrophic thinking or hopeless, helpless, worthless thinking that like, this is not, this is, um, because of me, there's nothing I can do to change it and it's going to last forever. Um. That makes sense. So actually, the chain, I appreciate what you're saying, but I'm very aware that that's very challenging to do. So just to break it down a little bit more, I assume you first had to learn what the feelings were that you were experiencing. Was Were there any particular tools or can you describe the process that helped you even recognize what you were feeling in the first place?
1: Yeah, that's a good point. I feel like I forget that In the beginning, and it's still like one of the most challenging parts that, like, when I have like a bad feeling, it just feels like an overwhelming wave of things. So it's hard to actually realize what's going on and realize, like, oh, wait, I'm feeling like angry and now I'm feeling sad. And because of that, I'm attaching all these other feelings. It just feels like, oh my God, everything's out of control. Like, I'm so angry, I'm lashing out at everyone. So it's hard to identify those. But in the beginning, I think. You gave me an app that was really helpful. It was like a mood tracker app, and it was a big grid of different colors. Um, and you could kind of move a little clicker around um, between, like, hey, I'm high energy and like uh, high intensity right now. I'm probably angry. And it gave more language, like all the different shades of feelings that um, I felt. And that was helpful that to that kind one, of track.
0: To, yeah, just yeah. To cut you for a second. That one's called Mood Meter. Yeah. yeah. Good example. Thank you. And tell me more about how you learned what feelings you were having.
1: I think it was like in talking with you, it gave like a time to like reflect and break down maybe like an event or like a painful time into like a different, into like a set of feelings. Then I think over time we were able to see like a pattern where it's like, hey, if I feel really angry, I'm probably going to feel like pretty sad afterwards. And then maybe even that for a few days. So in breaking down the feelings and reflecting with you and realizing a pattern, it's easy, easier to identify like, oh, that feeling I'm feeling now because I was just really angry is probably this. And then know what might be coming next.
0: Yeah, that's great. And just to follow that a little bit further, can you tell why anger makes you feel sad? I think,
1: I don't know if defense is like the right word, but I feel like anger is like a top feeling or like an outward facing feeling. Or it's a way to displace um, like a really painful emotion outwards. And then I think that maybe the front of the emotion and then the back of the emotion internally is like a a sadness. It's like almost at first, there's like an outward outlash and then it follows on the back of just like a, a deeper, sadder feeling underneath.
0: That's a really good description. And then can you tell why sadness can sometimes, or in the past, why sadness lasted for days? What else would you add to it? Yeah, I feel like I would
1: add, like we were talking about with the self-compassion, add like feelings on top of it of like, why do I feel this way? Do others feel this way? And then it would feel,
0: yeah. Interpretations. Yeah, go on.
1: Yeah. And then I think I would also just feel really lonely on top of like that feeling would follow. And then it would feel hard to reach out to friends and just feel like, oh, I'm really sad right now. And then it would just all kind of compound and last for longer than just the feeling that would peak and pass.
0: So if I can break that down a little bit, basically anger would then make you feel sad or sadness and anger would show up at the same time. And then you would add the thought, I feel sad and no one else feels sad, which would trigger loneliness. And then loneliness would make you not want to connect. And it would be kind of self-fulfilling that the more that you withdrew, the more lonely you felt. yeah. And now in addition to uh, having self-talk that's more compassionate, what do you do that's more compassionate?
1: I feel like when those feelings come, it's easier to be like, oh, this is just a feeling that I have that other people also have. Like there's nothing that is like, it doesn't mean anything's like wrong with me. Um, And then also reaching out to people or being like social when I have those is makes it easier to get in and out of them. I think also I have like a number of friends that are in therapy and I think they do the same things now. So it makes me feel even like less alone when I'm feeling those feelings. Like I had a friend reach out with everything COVID going on, just being like, I feel like really disconnected from everyone right now. And then I think just even those social signals of being like, oh, other people feel this way too. Like it's not such like a, a me feeling, like everyone's kind of going through the same feelings at different times.
0: Yeah, that's great. So, I mean, that does also speak to the the people that you've chosen to be close with. It sounds like you all have similar values and then you can support each other in similar ways. Yeah, that's true. That's great. Okay. Um, I can imagine that, I know when you started, your perfectionism was pretty significant. Can you say a little bit about how perfectionism and self-compassion are related to you now?
1: Yeah, I feel like it's almost like perfectionism is like maybe the thing that comes in front to try and like bend off any self-criticism that I don't know could happen. Um, in a way, it's like, hey, if I go through this perfectly, like I won't have to deal with any negative feelings anyone might have towards me or like any negative feelings or backlash I might have towards myself. I think I also, before we started talking, I didn't realize that not everyone like thinks that way when they like prepare for a meeting and stuff like that. But yeah, again, like if there's a really stressful event, like a stressful meeting, it's already stress enough that you have that. And then I think I was just adding on a lot of extra thoughts and like kind of like hurdles for myself internally that just like added to the stress and made it a lot worse than
0: it had to be. It sounds like in the presence of the fear of a mistake, Like if you had made a mistake, then you would feel embarrassed. If you felt embarrassed, then you would feel self-critical. If you started criticizing yourself, you would get sad and angry and ruminative and lonely. Like that whole spiral that you just described. Yeah. So from the beginning, you were trying to prevent the mistake. So you wouldn't have the spiral, which became really perfectionistic behavior. Yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: And now what do you do differently?
1: I try and attach like a lightness to everything. And I think also just like knowing that you can't really control everything and like things are out of your control makes it a little bit easier. How did
0: you, you say that so like that was so easy also, it's often really challenging to let go of control. Yeah, it, it wasn't easy
1: at all. And it still like, isn't easy. I feel like even recently I had like an interview and I feel like it was like a month-long process. I feel like I lost my mind a little bit, but it's it's not always easy still, like in the moments, but it's easier, I guess, to try and even reflecting back, being like, oh, I see like what happened here or like what I was trying to do and what I was trying to control and stuff.
0: I can see how you can hold on to hope. So even if you have anxiety sensitivity as a biological factor and you get worried or anxious sometimes, you're, it sounds like you feel hope about your own process because when you look back on it, you're like, Oh, that's where I was stuck.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I'm like, sure. Like that. I will face other stressful events and that I will probably like, I think approach them with perfectionism, but I think I'll have the tools to be more aware of like what's going on and hopefully just try and be like, Hey, maybe it'd be good if I just like went for a run instead of like rereading this document for like the hundredth time. Like maybe that would be a better use of my time.
0: I imagine you now also have your own past experience to draw upon where at time where rather than over-preparing for a meeting, you went for a run and then the meeting turned out okay. Now you can use that to remind yourself that that that's a flexible option for you. Yeah, that's true. Great, okay. Are there other things that are coming to mind that have changed for you over time? I think the biggest thing is like we talked
1: about, just if I can just like figure out in the moment when things are painful to just keep it to that feeling, it's a lot less painful than having also to deal with like the feeling and the self-criticism and trying to control like the outcome and everything like that. So I think that's been like the biggest learning and the biggest practice piece too. And the hardest part still, I think is identifying the feelings or like when I might be in, um, like a difficult feeling and knowing what playbook to use.
0: So it sounds like you're doing a really good job with the feeling of loneliness. Like you've really learned how to relate well to that one and reach out to friends rather than withdraw. What other feelings are challenging for you?
1: I think sadness in general, or even depression, it's like hard to know in the moment that like those are the feelings that you're feeling. It's like clearer after the fact. I feel like with everything to use like a more recent example with everything COVID I like didn't leave my apartment for a few weeks which I think was also like health safety wise but looking back friends and family were like we were kind of worried about you and like my friend was like yeah I remember calling you a few nights in a row and you just like wouldn't pick up and um when you're in the moment it doesn't feel like um it's hard to like identify like, oh, maybe I was like avoiding friends. Maybe I was avoiding going outside. Maybe I was like self-isolating. But I think looking back, it's easier to piece together. But I think still being in the moment and trying to identify like, oh, I might have been going through like a down period. is hard.
0: What are some of the cues that you're going through a down period now looking back on it? Like how can you prevent that in the future? Uh, I
1: think it's probably shying away from things that I like to do generally when I'm in a better mood so things like talking to my friends hanging out with my friends going outside um, and I feel like there are feelings that aren't I don't typically associate with like depression or a down mood that go with it so just being like agitated more irritable and getting like more angry uh, a lot quicker like having a shorter fuse and stuff like that
0: and what types of life circumstances or biological factors might make you feel more agitated or irritable uh I think if it's like a generally
1: like stressful environment I feel like more sensitive to that I think also if I'm like not sleeping well which again if it's like a stressful period that definitely has something to do with it I feel like if I'm drinking more than I usually do like that definitely has something to do with it and if I'm not exercising also that has um something to do with it too
0: And can you typically tell when those behaviors, like, what do you think happens first? Those behaviors change or you become irritable because of stress and then the behavior change?
1: I don't know. I guess it's hard to, hard to tell. They seem like so tightly wound. Mm -hmm. together
0: yeah that completely makes sense can and then can you say more about how I know that you said the mood meter has been helpful and like coming to therapy on a regular basis to reflect has been helpful are there and in a previous session I think we talked about the things that you track um but has tracking and self-monitoring impacted your life
1: it's been helpful in uh figuring out like one, if I'm not feeling good, instead of almost having like the self criticism come in and being like, why do I feel this? way? Why am I stressed out? I have like a quantitative (laughs) way to like, be like, oh, wait, this is like, these feelings are an outcome of like the lifestyle choices that I'm making at the moment. If I can just like, course correct to do things that I know make me feel better, I'll feel better in a few days. So I feel like it gives me more um, like data about what's going on. And then also feels like it gives me a lever to like control my moods more easily too.
0: Yeah, that's great. I mean, you, like many people, um, like what stands out is that your suffering is really episodic. Um, so like you were just saying, like basically when you're engaging all these in all these healthy habits, like hanging out with your friends, exercising, sleeping well, drinking less, all of these things are like managing your work stress and your work-life balance well. Um, you probably feel really good. Um, yeah, it sounds like you feel good. Um, but there can be times where all of those fall away, and you are more irritable, agitated, and depressed. Um, so, what do you make of that? How do you how do you feel towards yourself, knowing that you may have episodic periods of suffering like that?
1: Um, I mean, it's like not amazing. Like ideally everything would just be like roses that I wouldn't have to deal with that at all. Um, but I think like it is what it is. And like knowing that I have ways to better control it or like flag that it might be coming and then have ways to like, um, make those periods not as painful as they could be or not go as low as they could be, um, is like helpful. and makes me feel like I have control over them too.
0: Yeah. And just to reiterate that, what do you, how, knowing that you have those biological vulnerabilities under stress, what helps you not make it like make the episode less frequent and less intense?
1: Um, I feel like knowing that like, okay, this is like a week to like maybe get more sleep, make sure I'm going to, like, I like Pilates, go to Pilates every day, Um, make sure I'm, like, eating well, make sure I'm, like, social activities, even if it doesn't feel great, like, maybe space them out a little bit more than I would usually, Um, and then I feel like as before, maybe before, like, I started talking to you, I feel like during those periods instead, I would just, like, stay at home by myself like listen to really sad music like open up a bunch of like existential like philosophy books and get like even deeper in a hole and i feel like it would like last a lot longer um and be easier to just like be stuck in it
0: yeah you would kind of do like mood congruent behaviors so once you were starting to go down you would do other things that brought you down like listening to sad music withdrawing and listen and reading um kind of existential or um depressing reading. Um, so now you can see that when that's coming, you've got to do stuff. That's like, like opposite action. Like you want to withdraw and you reach out to people. You want to stay in your bed and you go and exercise that type of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's really great. Is it challenging under stress to besides actually doing opposite action? Is it also challenging to like not be able to do exactly what you want to do. So deciding, you know, after maybe when friends are going out for happy hour, if we're not in COVID, um, like deciding to go home to get a better night's sleep, does that bother you?
1: I think that the thing I had the most trouble with was probably with dating when I was feeling like in that sad way it would feel like, oh my God, I feel like I need to be doing these actions or I need to be going out. But like, I really don't feel like 110% are like my real self. So I feel like I had trouble um, just like rectifying those two things or like figuring out the right way forward through that stuff.
0: And what do you think now about that going on the date when you're not 100%?
1: Yeah, I don't know. I feel like there's no like right way, but I feel like it's okay to just like go and do the action sometimes and just like show up and it can be like practice even if it doesn't work up. And I think it's also okay if I'm in like a short bad mood to be like, hey, maybe this like is not the right activity right now. And I should just like reschedule for next week when I know I'll be feeling a bit better. And I can just focus on like exercising and like eating and like um, getting back to normal for this week.
0: So I imagine that that's trial and error, that sometimes you just push forward and allow it to be like a non-perfect date. Other times you reschedule and let yourself do some self-care. Um, any Anything you've learned about that trial and error over time? Um,
1: yeah, I feel like there have been times that I've like gone on the date and then I end up having like two to three drinks and it doesn't go well. And then like the next day I'm like five notches worse than I was. So I think, um, yeah, just like listening to myself and knowing how past experiences have gone, gauging it too. Like maybe it's like, oh, if it's a first aid, I'm not really sure like how it'll net out. This could just like make things worse tomorrow. Um, maybe like next week is better. But yeah, I think it just depends on the circumstance and trial and error.
0: Yeah, you know, um, it might be a metric of uncertainty. So a first aid is a much more uncertain situation. So you're much more vulnerable to whatever direction your mood is headed, where if you have some sense of what's going to happen, you might, you might be able to challenge your mood more effectively. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. And even getting broader than that, I think making a decision when you have some sense that you have some space, between the mood and like you see the mood for what it is and you have some space to decide how you're gonna respond to the thoughts and urges that come with it. Um, that's like, if you if you have no space, that's probably a time that you need to focus on self-care. Whereas yeah. if you have some amount of space, you can do something that's a little bit um, more uncertain. Yeah. Um, thank you for that example. So tying it all together, how do you imagine things will go from here for you?
1: Um, I think I definitely have, like, a set of tools now to better identify, like, my mood and figure out what's going on, um, and then I have a set of tools to help, like, course correct and, like, get myself back in a better place. Um, I think the, the challenge is still, like, being able to identify those moods as they're happening, um, so I think I'll just, like, continue to work on that and continue to like reflect on past things and be like, Oh, that was going on. Like I was feeling this, that, and the other way. Um, so hopefully in time it'll be easier to like flag those things as they're happening in real time.
0: Yeah, that sounds great. Um, well, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Anything else you want to add before we end? Uh, that's it. Thank you, Maggie. Okay. See you soon. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening. If you felt any benefit from the show, please let us know and share it with anyone you think would also find benefit. As a disclaimer, please consult your doctor or therapist before attempting any strategies shared here. Thank you.